Hello and good morning. Uh, good morning to everyone in the building. Good morning to everyone who's watching on the live stream. My name is Adam Curtis and I'm the curate here uh, at Christchurch. Um, and just to throw in before I, uh, we delve into our sermon topic today, um, just a quick notice. On the, the 6th of November, which I believe is a week on Saturday, we're going to have an evangelism training uh, morning uh, here in the, in the West Wing. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when it comes to the topic of evangelism, it can, it can feel a bit scary, it can feel a bit daunting. I'm trying to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ uh, to those around me, and I just feel like um, it, it almost feels unnatural. Like how, do I, how do I talk about Jesus but also have a conversation with this person? How do I declare the good news of Jesus Christ and not just act like a preacher? which as a preacher I find particularly hard. <laughs> but if, if you think along those similar lines, how can we share the good news of Christ in just a really natural and uh, conversational sort of manner, then we're going to have a training morning on speaking about Jesus in, in conversations uh, on, on the Saturday, the 6th of November. It's going to be based uh, on Randy Newman's excellent book called Questioning Evangelism. We're basically going to take all the wisdom he's got in that book and I've turned it into a practical seminar for us to do. So that's the 6th of November in the West Wing in the morning. If you're keen to come, please let me know or email in during the week. Um, and before we uh, yeah, continue again, we're going to do again do a little bit of group work. Not very much, but just a little bit. So it'd be great uh, if you don't know the people around you, just 30 seconds just to say hi so that you've, uh, you're ready for when we get to that point. Poor, poor Tom here didn't have anyone to say hi to. I know, poor, poor man. So we're continuing um, our series in, uh, in Modern Myths. And last week we looked at uh, Be True to Yourself. And I hope that we start to see how, um, how shallow an ideological sort of view this is. And how Jesus provides us with a better answer. And he provides us with a better answer because he understands huma humanity. Because he provides us with resources to help us answer the big questions in life and because he in himself is the truth. So we no longer have to search within to find out these answers. But we also saw, in trying to speak positively of what the be true to yourself, sort of this expressive individualism of our age, one of the positive things about it was it, it does encourage us to ask some good questions. Who are we? How should we live this life? And these are good questions which we, we should be asking. And I think our second myth, which we're going to look at today, I think is one of the answers which expressive individualism, our culture, gives us to that question about who are we. And our second myth is um, born this way. I was born this way. And I think this is one of our culture's answers to the question of who are we. But now as we come to analyze this, speak of what's good, offer a critique, come to Jesus, let's come to him in prayer. Dearest God of creation, who spoke all life into being, speak to us this day as we reflect on the myths of our society. Help us to see them for the fickle lies they are and draw us back to yourself and the greater reality which is found in Christ. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. 
So born this way is a statement of self-expression. It's a statement that celebrates self-expression. This is who I am. I didn't choose it. It's simply how I was born, and I'm celebrating it. And actually, this sort of celebration of uh, self-expression, well, it seems to come up in, in lots of sort of pop songs over the years. Maybe going to, back to a few which were sort of the hits when I was at university. But uh, Christine Aguilera in 2009, the hit Beautiful, says, You are beautiful no matter what they say. Words can't bring you down because you are beautiful in every single way. I really wanted to sing that. As I was speaking it, like the desire to, to sing it was quite large. You are beautiful in every single way. But this celebration of self-expression has continued. Katy Perry and her hit Firework in 2010. Do you ever feel already buried deep, six feet under screams, but no one seems to hear a thing? Do you know that there's still a chance for you? Because there's a spark in you. You've just got to ignite the light and let it shine. Just own the night, like the 4th of July. Then to top it all off, we had Lady Gaga's mega world hit in 2011, Born This Way, which sold 8.2 million records. She sang... I'm beautiful in my way, because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in your regrets. Just love yourself, and you are set. Born this way, it's an ideology which says, I am beautiful. I'm a firework. This is how God has made me to be, and now I'm just going to live it. In the game of life, this is the hand which I have been dealt, and now I'm going to play it. Who am I? I am me. Nothing less, nothing more. So you accept it. Take it and celebrate it. And before I offer a critique of um, expressive individualism and born this way, I do want to acknowledge that, that I do think there's, there's some really helpful things here within this ideology. Whether by nature or by nurture, we have not chosen the hands which we have been dealt we don't choose the cultures we are born into, the colours of our skins, our genders or our physical features. We don't choose who we find sexually attractive. We may be born with certain disabilities or struggles. We may be content with our bio biological gender or we may struggle with it. We need to be honest that this is the world we live in. We don't choose the hands which we are dealt. And Jesus doesn't discriminate. He takes people how he finds them. He heals the servant of a Roman centurion. He heals the blind eyes of a Jewish man. He offers eternal life to a sexually broken Samaritan woman. And as the gospel goes out in Acts, well, it goes to the rich and the poor, to men and to women, to, the, to, to, to every race, to the Jew and to the Gentile. The hands that people have been dealt in life do not disqualify or even qualify them to hear the good news. This is good news for all people. However, even though I think that this born this way, born this way ideology it is helpful, I don't think it acknowledges the complexities of this human condition. Knowing that we don't have a choice in the hands that we have been dealt, well, that's useful to know. It helps us be more compassionate and kind. But it doesn't tell us how to play the hand. It doesn't tell us how to play the hand. 
We're answering the question, who am I? Born this way tells me, look within. But it tells me nothing about what to do with what I find there. The assumption is that if you know who you are, then you're going to live a beautiful life. Then you're going to be a firework. Then you're going to light up the sky. But I think it's actually that simplistic. Does knowing who you are mean that you know immediately how to live? And I have four reasons why I think that actually life is far more complicated. Firstly, I don't think that all desires are good. We are told that that you were born this way and that you should just go for it. But this assumes that all desires that we feel are naturally good for us. But what about an eating disorder? People don't choose them, and yet by nature or nurture, this is how they are. If they're born this way, well, well, then shouldn't they just follow it? And secondly, maybe a question, does born this way, does it deny human responsibility? It assumes that if I'm born this way, then I'm set. Then this is a, um, automatically how I should live. This, it, is, it implies that this path which I'm on it is sort of almost predetermined by how I'm born. But I want to ask, do, do we have to live out what we find within? John Stott says, human responsibility is part of the glory of our humanity. And if we deny our ability to make choices, then don't we just reduce people to mere infants and, and domestic animals? Thirdly, we applaud those who break the mold. We love those who break the mold. One of the reasons why we celebrate the life of Nelson Mandela is because he defied expectations and he did not choose the path as others expected him to take. He chose the path of racial reconciliation rather than the path of retribution. And that's why he's loved. Fourthly, well, Jesus meets people where they're at, but he does not expect people to stay there. As Jesus moved from, from town to town to town, he called all people to repent and believe. He called people to repent and believe. He accepts all people, yes, but he doesn't approve of all behaviours. While we read in Colossians, the teaching in Colossians chapter 3, there are this list of things which we are meant to put off and put to death, and all these things that we, which we are meant to put on and clothe ourselves in. See, there is a truth. This ideology has, of born this way has something helpful to, to say. We don't control the hand which we are dealt. However, we can control how we choose to play them. We have a choice to let the desires within us consume us, and we have a choice to follow or to break the mold. Because we have the ability to choose, we have dignity, and we have worth. And it is as beings who have the ability to make choices that Jesus comes to us, and he says, repent and believe. Born this way helps us to acknowledge reality. But it does not tell us what to do with it. Jesus offers us a better way. Jesus gives us a better answer to that question, who am I? He accepts us for who we are. 
no matter our race or our gender and our, or our sexuality. And then he li- helps us. He helps us to live out who we should be. This is the moment where we're going to have uh, some group work. So when we come to Jesus, what answers does he give us to that question of who am I? When we think about questions of identity, what answers does Jesus sort of give us to help think through who am I? And if you don't know, you can say, I have no idea. <laughs> that is more than fine. So in twos or threes, who am I? What, how does Jesus help us answer that? We draw our conversations together. Now, there's a huge amount which could be said on this question of, uh, of identity and how Jesus helps us answer the, that question of who am I. Um, so I'm just going to offer three, three things, but maybe in, in your conversations you've already been starting to cover other things, so do push further, further into them. But firstly, when we think about that question of who am I and how does Jesus help us answer it, well, firstly, he tells us we are images We are images. We read in Genesis chapter 1, so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, Psalm 8, as we had read beautifully earlier, helps us fill in the picture. When I consider the works of your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. When I look at a picture, I see the image of a real person. The person, though, is the source and the image is what follows it. God is our source and we are what follows. We are made in his image and he's not made in ours. Thus we've got to let his 
the source to find what follows. We've got to let him define us and not the other way around. Thus, this is his reality and we are being created as a part of it. As image bearers, then we are men and we are women. These gendered bodies are not cultural constructs, but physical realities which reveal the very image of God. As image bearers, we are crowned with glory and with honour, and we're made to rule. And God rules, and as his images which follow, we rule. And Adam and Eve, were they ruled in the garden by working it. And so we work. We use these, these bodies which the Lord has made and created. We use them not for the selfish pursuit or gain, but we use them to build and to create and to nurture and to maintain. So who are we? Well, we're the image of our maker. And secondly, Jesus helps us answer the question of who are we by saying, we are temples. We are temples. In 1 Corinthians, Paul when he's encouraging the, the church there to flee sexual immorality, well, this is his reasoning. We read in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your, temp that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. We are all made in the image of God, but these, these images are broken. Through our sin, through our rebellion, they've been cracked. So now in reality, we are glorious, but ruins. To fix that image, God has come and he has prayed the, paid the price of our debt, a life for a life. Now that debt has been paid, well, we're not our own anymore. We don't belong to ourselves. So these hands, these arms, these, these eyes, these ears, this head, this mind, it has been repurposed. This, this building which was set for destruction has now been repurposed. Now we are temples. Now we live for the praise of the Lord. So now with these hands and these arms and these eyes and these ears and these, this mind, it is all for the praise of the Lord. Born this way helps us understand and accept those things which we cannot change. Being a temple helps us to know what to do with this information. Being a temple means we let Jesus tell us, well, how can we glorify you, Jesus, with our bodies, with these hands and these arms and these eyes and these ears and these minds? How can we glorify you, Jesus? Because that is what we want to do. How can we glorify you with these bodies and with our, our sexualities and with our desires? How can we glorify you? Because we are now temples. We say it's all for Jesus. It is all for Jesus. So who are we? We are temples for the praise and the glory of Christ. Thirdly, how does Jesus help us answer the question, who are we? Well, thirdly, we are heirs. We are heirs. In Romans 8, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
When we accept Jesus Christ as our Saviour and as our Lord, we're filled by the Holy Spirit. When we are filled by the Holy Spirit, then we are born again. No longer do we simply have earthly mothers and fathers, but we have a heavenly Father. As children of God, we exist for more than just this moment, more than just these 80 years. As children of God, we are heirs of God. This world simply becomes that that gateway to eternity itself. And we are invited into a bigger story. A story that does not end in the here and the now. And this story takes us from this world of death and it leads us into a paradise of life. No more tears and no more pain. They're simply a memory of a place that is gone. When we accept that this is where we are going, when we can accept, then this helps us to accept that there is sometimes a cost to being a temple. There is a cost to saying no to the sinful self within us and saying yes to Jesus, all for your praise and for your glory. But when we can accept that we are going to this paradise of life, then it is possible to accept that cost. This world is not our end. The next one is to come. So who are we? We are heirs of God and have eternity before us. So what does all this mean for us here today, here in in Sidcup, here in Christchurch? Well, we as a church, we need to accept that we live in a born-this-way culture. The world has changed, and the world is going to keep on changing. The norms that once define society, well, they don't define that society anymore. So like Jesus, we need to be a church that is for all people. Whether we find the behavior strange or not, Jesus accepts all, and so we must accept all. And like Jesus, we have to call all people or believe and repent. He accepts all people, but he doesn't approve of all behavior. And so with that same level of kindness and love and gentleness and humility, with that same level that he has called us, we must go out and call all people to believe and to repent. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he actually knows what is good for us. Repent that there are times when we have broken his holy law and not have, lived, have not lived the lives we should have lived. And know that when we are in Christ, we have experienced an ocean of grace and of healing. And when we are in Christ, then we are the people we were always made to be. Let's take a moment just to reflect and then I'll close in prayer. Oh, dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, I pray, Father God, will you help us to be more thoughtful? Will you help us, Father God, to analyse and examine the things which our culture is trying to tell tell us? 
and to see the lies which it tells us. Forgive us for those times, Father God, when we just go along with what our culture has to say and just want to express and celebrate everything we feel and, and do not even care if it is good or righteous or holy or pleases you. Forgive us for those times, Father God. We repent of them. And help us, Father God, to, to let us, ourselves and our families and our churches be defined by what you have called us to be as images and as temples and as heirs. And let this definition flow out into all of life so that in how we think and how we act and who we are, people may see that we are in Christ and see you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.